Well, hello and welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd, Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. Well, hello and welcome back, everybody. This is episode two. My name is B, and my co-host Hayden. Are you there, Hayden? I'm here. How are you? Oh, you're sounding great, mate. You sound good saying you're so far away from me. <laughs> Look, you probably can hear me loud and clear, hopefully, and for the listeners, there is a lawnmower in our background, so we uh, we do apologise for that, but uh, the show must go on. That's right, it does. Yeah, and you might hear my k-dumpf uh, 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 as um, my archers are in the back in the garage. Anyway, enough about that. Yeah. So, um... Oh, well, we, we, we want this to be... Ro- <laughs> yeah. We want this to be raw, rough and ready, don't we? We're <laughs> a bit raw and ready, aren't we? Um, so what are we going to talk about yeah. this week? Well, we are in excess, access all areas, so um, I'm, I'm even more excited than last week because I felt mm-hmm. there was a lot of explaining and set up last week, whereas this week we can really get into it and yep. uh, you know discuss, uh, I guess, in a big topic today, the, the new, uh, well, the initial debut album of the mm-hmm. band, but um, uh, I guess in excess... Access all all areas means we are going to cover a a real deep dive into their career Mm -hmm. and legacy and um, we are excited that the listeners have responded Mm -hmm. in kind and uh, far be it from being a a navel-gazing exercise Mm -hmm. because the real heroes of this podcast is not us, it's the band. Um, But if we could at least indulge and say thank you, uh, thank you for all the feedback and the Mm -hmm. comments after episode one. It's given us a bit of a confidence boost, which can never uh, be underestimated. Yes, and we're now searchable and findable on um, Spotify as well as on Podbean now, which is quite uh, exciting, isn't it? Getting lots of reviews on Podbean, though. Yeah, well, I I guess the more platforms, um, yeah, the more platforms that you know people generally gravitate to. And given we're going to do a Spotify sort of uh, playlist, it made a bit of sense to be on that platform. And I'm sure we'll probably add to more over the next few weeks as well. uh, All episodes, that is. Yes. Absolutely. Really good, isn't it? Uh, now, B, we had uh, an interesting end to our episode last week. We played a cover song, and uh, I think it was a pretty easy one to get, given the one, two, three, four uh, at the start. Mm. Uh, but uh, do you want to let the listeners know who it was for those who were probably listening from Mars? It was Bruce Springsteen. And Tommy Morello from Rage Against the Machine, one of the iconic guitarists from the 90s, uh, who often tours with Bruce mm-hmm. uh, and was up on stage with uh, Bruce on that particular night uh, with Stevie, little Stevie and another guitarist yeah. all uh, ripping out Don't Change which uh, yeah. was great to hear, great to hear uh, acknowledged by the fans and the crowd and mm. uh, that was our first sort of cover song of the week. Yeah and um, I've actually posted it onto our Facebook page so um, if you haven't already seen that you can actually watch the footage on there too. It's quite fun to see it. Um, they're really they're really enjoying it, aren't they? That song. They're really enjoying playing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I would urge everybody, urge everybody to go YouTube it because, you know, mm. you get the visual of it all. Mm. And um, you see when Bruce says guitars, the four guys go to the front of the stage and yeah. sort of, you know, play the iconic riff. And, yeah, uh, yeah you'll get a little bit more out of it. Uh, I love the backing YouTube singers get a visual as well. As They're well, really is, into it, aren't they? <laughs> well... <laughs> There's a cast of thousands on stage with Bruce. Mm. Uh, it's like the circus comes to town, and uh, I've never seen more musicians on a stage, you know? <laughs> oh, it's good. It's what it's all about, isn't it, really? Party. Party yeah. on the stage. I, I guess, yeah, I, I guess one question we're going to ask each other is how's your in excess week been? In the last seven days since we last spoke and recorded, etc., what's sort of uh, been getting high rotation for you in the, uh, the car? What's been getting uh, hitting your ears with? you know and joy yeah well I like to I, I mean I, I'm quite varied um, I'll just pick an album out and I'll just whack it into the CD player and at the moment I'm I'm on the yeah. um, the one that's um, it's the red one and it's the years 1979 to 90, 97 um, just loving that at the yeah. moment um, and teaching the kids some of the older songs which is good um, that have been missed off some of well, the albums yeah I mean we'll mm. get to the greatest hits and things like that mm. you know in future episodes but I think that 
that greatest hits version probably mm. is one of the best because mm. it is 79 to 97. So for artists sort of pre-kick and post-kick, you really get a bit of both on yes. that. And um, it's a real, again, common word I'll use, deep dive into the whole history. So mm. um, I think it's a, it's a good choice to listen to. Yeah, loving it. Really, really like it. And um, yeah. yeah, and the one thing and the loved one and Stay Young is a very, very... Um, a dear song to me actually because well I won't go yeah. completely into it we'll go into that song another time but that's one of my <laughs> one of my old times it's funny isn't favorites. it how music sort of is mm. so, yeah it, it's funny how music has a nostalgia to it it's a real mm. time and a place in your life isn't it yeah um, and we spoke you know last week a bit about um, um, our first experiences but mm. you know when we say a soundtrack to your youth and life uh, songs you know not just in excess but other bands they yes. really take on a meaning in, in so many ways yes absolutely take you straight back to them don't I, I remember <laughs> um, being in a clothes shop with my mom back in the 80s and uh, we were, I was humming um, don't stand so close to me and uh, my mum was humming at the same time. She says, come on. We went off to the record shop and bought the 45 and we kept playing it <laughs> over and over again. But well, yeah, you know, it's a memory. <laughs> well, I, I, I really, truly love that song. You know, mm. it, was a, it, was a, it was a fantastic song. And uh, I remember that at school, we'd all be, uh, me and my mates pretend we were Stuart Copeland with oh, our chopsticks great, or whatever in the back of the it? class hitting the desks. <laughs> what a great drum here. Um, so yeah, that was uh, Big Down mm. Under, that song. Mm. Yeah, all over the world. Yeah. Excess news with Hayden from around the world. Well, first agenda item is uh, Excess this week in Australia have had their greatest hits album uh, go back into the charts. I think it was uh, sitting at 39 at the end of last week, which I guess was the edge, but uh, it's actually risen 13 places in the charts Mm -hmm. up to 26. Now, not saying we had anything to do with it. (laughs) Um, However, all good news is good news. Um, But uh, yeah, so um, just did some calculations. For those who don't know, their uh, most sort of, I guess, recent greatest hits uh, release down here has actually been in the Australian charts for 287 weeks, which is over five and a half years. Um, And that's from a, I think, a 2011 release. So we're looking at nine years of uh, five and a half of those nine years. That album has been in the Australian sort of top 50. Uh, and it's sitting at 26 this week, yeah. uh, some nine years later. So uh, not a bad result um, and, uh, you know, keeping uh, keeping on keeping on. I did notice when you showed it to me that everyone was going down and in excess was going up. <laughs> I did. I did. I, I think I sent you yesterday the up, the updated charts with a little bit of pride and we were uh, yeah. emoji thumbs up between yeah, us. Yeah, excited. I loved it. And additionally, in further news, uh, Don't Change, the NXS cover band that's quite prominent here in Australia, have just announced uh, a tour, COVID-depending, uh, later in the year, uh, in October, starting in Cairns, uh, which also is, ironically, a, a similar area of Australia where NXS to sometimes uh, commence a tour. They would often roadshow uh, a couple of, uh, I think the Kick album might have been X initially, just to sort of bear down their, their uh, uh, future songs for the uh, coming tour and uh, don't change uh, emulating the same way there as well um, I guess also shout out to all the bands around the world the Kick Experience Original Sin Inexcessive um, they do a great job uh, in all the venues they go and we'd love to probably uh, involve them a little bit more in the future on episodes and keep talking them up in and promoting where they are um, a couple of little things uh uh, Tiger Lily, uh, who moved to Australia, uh, I think in the last 12 months, has actually recorded an EP. Uh, her partner, Nick Elbrook, was in a band or from a band called Pond in the UK, and I know they had some pretty um, good recognition in some of the awards back in 2015. Uh, they're both living in Fremantle and Perth. And I think Tiger has just sort of, uh, well, about to release uh, an EP, mm-hmm. very much acoustic-like, and mm-hmm. I think it's called Tragic Tiger's Sad Meltdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I will declare I haven't heard it yet. Um, I guess uh, from a, a sound point of view, I think, B, you've probably heard her sing a little bit mm-hmm. before somewhere. You yeah. mentioned to me before. Is that right? Yeah, 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 I have. Um, in fact, I've go- I'm going to post it onto the um, Facebook page, so um, you'll be able to see it there. It's going, doing the rounds. It's an interesting 
interesting little medley of acoustics and her giggling and just having fun with her boyfriend. It's quite cute, really. One to watch, one to listen to. And also, Andrew Farris this week uh, released and recorded, I guess, a little live from home ditty of Beautiful Girl, which... Uh I think B posted up the uh, the platforms and uh, Andrew uh, played a little piano intro, then he got into the guitar and then a little piano exit uh, of Beautiful Girl. Um, obviously not up to Michael's vocal standard, we all know that, but uh, it was a uh, Andrew creation, so you could see uh, the song came from the heart and um, again, Andrew's been quite prolific in sending out uh, little tunes from um, and the house and things and anytime we can hear things like that, they're really, uh, they're really awesome. Next on the news, uh, um, I want to give acknowledgement just to a couple of articles. Uh, in Australia, there's a, an online publication called Mixed Down and uh, it's a bit of a moose sort of um, Bible, I guess, for songs and products, and it's quite well respected down here. But uh, they did a, uh, a list this week of the uh, top 15 bass lines in the history of Australia, and um, I guess there are bands on there like uh, The Saints uh, and uh, The Church and a few others, but uh, they did actually uh, give acknowledgement to sort of Gary as, and they, I guess the best of compliments, they said, look, you could put any in excess song in, um, Original Sin, uh, what you need, but uh, they end up going with Need You Tonight and saying it was the, one of the best uh, bass lines ever recorded uh, by an Australian act. Um, and it's a good article by a guy called Will Brewster. Uh, and you should, you know, download it. The, you know, the publication's called Mixed Down. Um, and Will Brewster was the author. And it is quite a good, expansive uh, read on a lot of other great tracks from this country. Uh, but it was good to see Gary Gary get a nod and uh, get highlighted in that particular article. Um, additionally, also, I want to give acknowledgement to another article that was uh, written uh, in a probably more of a worldwide sort of publication called, called Undiscover Music. Um, and it was a guy called Tim Peacock who actually, uh, back sort of the end of April, decided to do a, a re-review of Elegantly Wasted. And it was great to sort of see that album given sort of its kudos in this particular article because it was a turbulent time in 97, sort of not only when Michael passed, but also prior to that. And um, sometimes, you know, the you know the uh, the rhetoric and the media media hyperbole gets in the way of the music, and you know this will be probably a theme in our future episodes. It's just sort of just judge the music, but um, this uh, re-review of Elegantly Wasted, I think, was really. Um, without all the emotion at the time, quite uh, a great re-review and a, and a good acknowledgement of the quality of that album. And it was probably the sort of the last release with Michael, but um, I think it sort of got lost at the time with all the all the dramas going around. Um, and I know it's it's it really is a sort of a fan favourite amongst some, some sort of fans, you know, with kit and things. But uh, I, I really sort of urge you, Tim Peacock, Undiscover Music, download that article. It, it really is a good sort of write-up, mm. D. Okay, D, B. <laughs> Cut me off. <laughs> Cut me off. <laughs> B. <laughs> That's okay. All right. Topic of the week, In Excess debut album. We're very excited to be able to bring this one to you. Uh, the start of their recording career. Uh, a couple of years of uh, touring uh, the country, uh, playing several venues and several uh, states across the country. Uh, I think In Excess recorded this at uh, a place called Triff Studios on tutelage of a guy called Duncan Maguire, who was uh, the producer. He was in a, a, a band in Australia called Ayers Rock. I can't say I know a lot of the material, but uh, he was chosen, I guess, in the first place. 
uh, they went into the studios probably around 1979 into early 80 and uh, I guess because of the, the hectic schedule that they had a lot of the the songs and recordings were done overnight and uh, I think you know it just goes back to the the work ethic that the band had and uh, I know Chris Murphy was uh, very very keen for them to you know if they went recording they, they were touring if they weren't touring they were writing mm-hmm. uh, if they weren't writing you know they were doing something in promotional mm-hmm. uh, ways to get the band's uh, name out there so um, the fact they were recording overnight didn't surprise me uh, and I think you know, if I had to sum up the album, you know, as a as a whole, it's uh, it's quite a confident start, uh, even from the first track, which we we will go through in a moment. But I, I sense a, a, a naivety and an innocence there, but I think it still has some confidence uh, uh, in the sound today. And I think when reviewing an album forty years after it was made, um, you know, does it stack up? Uh, musically now as it did then does it have the same resonance Um, some songs you know pretty much do Um, you know there's always songs of their time that probably you know are are stuck in their time but um, I think the band should sort of be proud uh, of a debut album like this given uh, it was their first efforts Uh, the the cover itself is very Disney uh, an iconic sort of um, stylized version of uh, Bondi Beach uh, which uh, backdrop in the Stay Young video uh, on the second album on the deluxe label and at that stage there that label was an international uh, when they did go on to uh, record Shabu Shabar they got an international deal uh, so this this debut album for overseas fans was really only available around about 1984-85 and as you know in excess sword a lot of fans went back and sort of discovered this album Um, but yeah looking very much to uh, looking forward to giving our views on it and as I often say to people with music it's all about the ear of the beholder Mm -hmm. Um, how we feel and what our ears sort of interpret I guess is is our own views and you know you might uh, yourselves as a listener have your own views that are different from ours no one's no one's right or wrong in art Mm -hmm. Uh, it's all an opinion sort of business Um, however I would like to uh, really get a deep dive into each track and put some samples uh, on for all the listeners uh, and then you know comments or our views on each song will make a bit of sense Mm -hmm. Uh, so we'll take that away B. okay then well let's go with our first song so the first song on the uh, album the first track is on a bus All right, well, that was on a bus, uh, the lead-off track from the debut album, and uh, I love that song. Um, I think that when I listen to it, it's got that sort of... um uh, youthful abandon about it um, travelling around the city etc there I get a bit of a feeling of the go-go's our lips are sealed about it you know um, young band uh, you know in the back of the car or on a bus in this occasion heading around the inner, inner workings of Sydney and Bondi and just the youthful sort of lyric uh, I love the jangly guitar and the sense of optimism about it and uh, um, I think it sort of pays off at that chorus bit with the word hypnotising but um, I think it's a real uh, uh, a real fun track, and I, I wish I was uh, old enough to have seen that live uh, when it was probably one of the, the core songs in their repertoire. Yeah, absolutely. I find it like a real bouncy song, isn't yeah. it? You really want to do your punky dance to that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, and you can, it feels rip. like it's got its influences on its sleeve, but you know, not as scarish as some of the other songs on sort of the uh, the album. You know, mm. sort of the scar music type. But uh, I think you know when you do start an album off, and I think NXS were very good at this, is that their their first song off albums were always uh, uh, it would hit you between the eyes you know think of Guns in the Sky and mm. think of The One Thing and, mm. and The Gift and uh, well actually maybe not The Gift I think Days of Rust might have been the first song off The Gift but uh, off uh, Full Moon I should say but um, you know a lot of the time their you know their first tracks off albums would sort of hit you between the eyes and I think this was a real sort of 
positive uh, song to get things going. And if uh, mm-hmm. you are, listen, sort of intrigues you to go, okay, I wonder what the next track is, you know? Okay, well, let's go for the next track. The next track is Doctor. Doctor, yeah, uh, I think uh, a little bit of a rebellious streak in this particular one. You can sense it's a, 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 a bunch of young lads who are, are probably rebelling against the uh, the parental wishes of being a doctor or a lawyer, hence the lyric. Uh, I can sense Michael enjoying this one when he's singing it. Uh, it's quite a fun lyric. Uh, I think what was noticeable about this was um, sort of Kirk getting, you know, setting the tone at the start with his uh, his brass, etc. there. His and um, I think it had a really good... Uh, outro sort of vocal on it mm. um, um, you know not as strong as on a bus uh, but you know solid stepping stone for, for, for the second track mm. Um, mm. that chorus probably not as catchy as um, you know the other tracks on the album but you know steady and solid Mm, it's got a little bit of madness about it as well, hasn't it? The, the band <laughs> madness. I yeah, feel. It's got, it, you can sense it's entering that world. Yeah, mm, mm. that's two tracks down. Let's go to um, just keep walking. Public transit, photos waiting, blood and glass, three points of rain, carpet lining, seats reclining. Clever words are smooth on talking, shove it, brother, just keep walking. Clever words are smooth on talking, shove it, brother, just keep walking. Clever words are smooth on talking, shove it, brother, just keep walking. All right, just keep walking. I think your favourite track uh, B from the album and one that you have said to me the word classic is that right? That's right it is it's a classic isn't it? Yeah look I think this one probably stands up you know 2020 probably the best of some of the songs on the album and uh, I don't think it has any sort of dated sound to it you know there's nothing at the time that feels uh, steeped in that era Um, and I guess that's almost the definition of a classic that it could sound well in 1950 and it can sound well in 2050. Mm. Um, I think this was sort of a song that gave the band an immense amount of confidence. I think they felt they'd really recorded their first proper song at that time and uh, they got their first hit, which mm. was uh, you know, great for them and great for their, their uh, esteem levels when you get that recognition from uh, the charts at the time. And I think it made number 37 in Australia. Mm. Um, didn't get a release overseas, although it did sort of reappear quite heavily in a sample in 2001. So I won't go too much into that because it may even lead to our cover version uh, later in the episode but um, yeah I think this one's an awesome riff a great vocal a uh, great lyric um, you know I think the shove it brother just keep walking I, I just think it's an, an awesome you know gutsy strong in your face lyric that uh, uh, is so Australian but uh, speaks sort of globally as well at the same time so uh, yeah complete attitude yeah, from boys of that age I should just I should say that if like you know just really yeah, yeah, out on the streets and living it a little bit rough at that point as well, weren't they, I suppose? Well, yeah, I, I think the word attitude is there. I, I remember mm. punk, punk was sort of 77 to sort of, you know, maybe 79 and, you know, this album was recorded in 79 and it's got that sort of punky sort of, you know, mm. uh, us against you and the world and uh, the vibe behind it. And great music from when you're a younger band, you know, it has to be urgent and vital and, and have that sort of oomph about it. And I just think mm. that this, this song then and now has it. Uh, it's, it's a mm. bona fide classic. Mm. Okay, well, let's get into the second. Uh, well, how we? How many are we in now? Four. Let's um, learning to smile.
longest track on the album at four minutes fifty six. But you know, I love this song. Um, I think listen to those keyboard flourishes. You know, from Andrew, I think he really sort of hits his mark. And um, you know, the lyric, uh, the synthy sort of swathe about the whole thing, and think it's a real sort of stepping stone musically. Uh, it's not just a two minute sort of uh, rant and uh, and rumble. It's it's quite musical, and, and it's probably the most musical type of sort of song uh, on the album. And I think if we uh, get to the end part of the track uh, B, uh, which we're going to be doing, is around about the four minute mark, it's about the like four minute fifty five mark. Ending goes off great it has yeah. a great sort of uh, outro to the song mm-hmm. uh it's really strong and mm-hmm. confidence boosting and mm-hmm. uh really uplifting i really yeah. love this one yeah very uplifting i can imagine everyone dancing and just going completely off at this song I was completely dancing to that one then. That was great. And the next song now is Jumping. Yeah, well, Jumping, we just played then. Probably not my, one of my favourites. I think it's probably one of the weaker mm. tracks on the album. Uh, it's got that sort of scar chorus, mm. a bit like body language. I think the chorus is a little bit weak. Mm. Um, look, Kirk Saxon, so the vocals got an urgency about it. I mm. think um, the verse is probably stronger than the chorus. But yeah. um, again, pr- not a memorable one for me and maybe mm. paving and learning their way a little bit with this yeah. one. Um, yeah. Influenced mm. again by the overseas sort of scar thing. Mm. Uh, some may love it, you know, uh, each to their own. Yeah, yeah, I think the chorus really really lets it down I mean it's it's good but it just seems very disjointed doesn't it anyway let's get on to the next track yeah (laughs) so song number six on the album is In Vain got strong opinions on this song so I'm going to let you <laughs> put the new ball on this okay yes well I do have strong opinions on this I think the guitars are outstanding on this song um, but the vocals I feel are a little bit poor and uh, what do you think <laughs> I'm putting myself out there now well, I'm probably going to get I'm a right backlash absolute. from all the um, Michael Hitchens fans now listeners play this whole song it actually has quite a, a brooding uh, introduction it goes for about sort of 25 30 40 seconds before mm. it hits uh, the keyboards it's got a bit of another sort of Vienna intro to it um, remember Midjour from Ultravox uh, mm. B yes I do I think yes, it was in Visage as well song. remember them Fade to Grey yeah oh I like <laughs> yeah. that yeah really and for those like who don't it. know he also and went on to co-write his name? Steve Strange yeah do you know it's Christmas he co-wrote but uh, look I, I, I like this song I, every part of it I like the vocal it's 
but uh, you know, for you and I, we disagree, and that's good because uh, that's what opinions are. But mm. um, I think it's got a strong sort of chorus. It's got sort of a brooding, you know, a little bit dated on the keyboards and things, um, but it sort of merges the keys mm. into the guitars quite sort of seamlessly, and uh, I'm a bit of a fan of this one. So uh, it's, it's also, you know, the second longest okay. song on the album, so they're probably experimenting a bit here. Um, but, uh, yeah, mm. we, uh, the, you like some parts, but not all of it, I guess. <laughs> no, no, no. I can fast forward for you a bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, a little, little anecdote is that right, uh, for the original Sin single back about 83, the B-side had In Vain and then underneath it had Just Keep Walking. And for as a 12, 13-year-old, I was thinking, oh, God, you know, there's, there's this other song here called In Vain, Just Keep Walking. That's quite a long title because uh, they were sort of, I don't know, <laughs> written on the same line or something a bit confusing. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, I like mm. the song. I think it's a bit of a end. Andrew brooding keyboardy guitar thing. I'll let you have that one then. All right. <laughs> okay, so the next track on the album is number seven and it is Roller Skating. I like this song. I think the introduction is the sign of things to come. Uh, the chorus, the pre-chorus and the chorus maybe halts it uh, a little bit, but, I mean, it, the, the, I think it's the first sound of funk. Um, I'm hearing Duran Duran-esque sort of guitar before even Duran Duran were almost around. Um, and I think it's, a, again, a real pre- precursor of things to come, and I really love the guitar uh, and Michael's uh, a vocal. I guess if you had to timestamp uh, a word or a phrase to an era, roller skating. Now, B, did you roller skate back in the UK as a youngster? I did and I had Cliff Richard wide for sound roller skating. <laughs> I, I I wasn't very good at it. I, I fell over quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps that's why I don't like this song so much, maybe, because it gives briefly bad bad memories. Look, it is a timestamp sort of word and things like that, but I, I think this is where I'm I'm hearing sort of this sort of early eighty sort of guitar thing start as that new wave guitar sound. It's got mm. again a bit of a Duran Duran sort of lick in there, but uh because mm. it was recorded Recorded sort of the end of 79, 80. I don't think they even knew or had known of each other. So, um, you know, maybe it's just that time, that era where certain sounds and techniques were, were fattening up some of the guitars. Um, but, yeah, I like it. It's more than a pass for me on this one. And um, it's a song that um, I wouldn't skip uh, at all. I'd be listening to it the whole way through. I disagree. Um, I, uh, on, on a few levels there, I, I find Michael's voice is a bit punky, which is good. I quite like the punky voice. And it's got the scar um, vibe going on there, but it's just lacking something for me. I mean, it's cute, it's a cute song, but it's just, I don't know, there's something not threading it together. You're describing it like it's a puppy. Most of the songs are puppies to me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I, oh, well, you look, asked I, me I, to, to review it, and I'm being quite, yeah. And not being no, on the good. fence. No, it's good. Half, the, half our listeners about? might, <laughs> half our listeners might like it, half <laughs> might not. So uh, we'll, we'll be fifty-fifty. Okay. Okay. Right. So um, the next song on the um, album is number eight, and it is body language. Yeah, this sort of jaunty little two-minute sort of uh, uh, song is the is the stinker of the album. You know, unfortunately, three guys. Um, it's probably an ode to British Scar, and it's a little bit re- well, it's very repetitive in the chorus. And uh, look, Kirk's uh, saxophone is probably the more uh, memorable or redeeming part to it. But um, yeah, look, I think it may have been an example where they didn't have the depth of material just yet to uh, put this you know song onto a B side at best, and uh, it was added. So uh, it's probably a skip from me when it hits, uh, you know, the the, the CD player, Um, uh, albeit, you know, probably just a little bit of a filler track. So uh, it's probably a no from me on this one. How do you Mm. feel about it, B? 
Yeah, um, I'm with you with the um, repetitiveness of it. Um, and it's very scar, which it's not too bad. Um, but um, I can imagine it being fun to dance to I, it went, went at the gigs. Um, yeah, I think it's not a bad song, actually. I don't, I don't mind it. Oh, I don't know if there's any great songs with the word body language. And I think it was a stink of a queen. They had a song called Body Language. <laughs> it was a, a real stink of them as well. Um, so, so uh, yeah, no, nah, it's a no from me on this one. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, go. We're going along now. Okay. So track number nine: News Real Babies. The noise, it's got texture. Hit it again when I'm mad. Close it again when I'm sad. Newsreel Babies. I, I really like this sort of hint of things to come on later albums. Um, it, it, it's one that sort of grew with me over over time, and um, I think that you know even the lyric title is quite interesting, and Michael's vocal is really good, and it sort of broods along, and it it's it's subtle. Um, it's not in your face like some of the other songs, um, and again, just showing a little bit of versatility and, and uh, uh, variation sort of in their repertoire at, at quite a young age. And I think this is a a real pass. Uh, for me I really like it um, I think it's something that if you listen to a few times and be patient with it it will reward you eventually yeah um, I, I for myself I found it was a really really good start but it actually loses me later on I'm, I'm quite happy to sort of like go okay <laughs> track number 10 wishy washy song has a little bit of a, a memorable thing for me um a friend of mine at school was coming to school every day i think maybe when we we're about 11 or 12 and was kept singing the lyric wishy-washy you know you're also wishy-washy <laughs> so i think i sort of felt like i half knew the chorus of this song before i even heard the song um and this guy was quite responsible for me getting into in excess so um i have a bit of a a nostalgia view of this track um i like sort of the aggressive intro uh, a bit like on, on you know on a bus it's got the you know aggressive uh, sort of uh, sound uh, that hooks you in from the start. Or it's probably not as strong as as you know the the verses, but you can sort of hear Michael's sort of confidence sort of growing with him. Um, I think uh, I've heard some versions live in concert, and it sort of goes off. And uh, I think it, the fans sort of really liked this at the time. Um, and again, it's got that sort of punky vibe to it that um, you can imagine sort of being uh, in a sweaty pub in Australia back in the eighties and uh, the early eighties and and getting into it and being quite um, you know, an aggressive attitude song. So uh, big pass for me, this one. Sorry, <laughs> big tick for me, this one. I was going to say, you like it. Yeah, I like this song too, um, especially... Um, I meant to say what, pass, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you've, you've, seen yeah. the, um, you've seen the gig um, the, uh, in Hamburg, yeah? When he's singing yeah, this yeah. in his little white singlet and taking yeah. away at it. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, very punky and he, he feels the passion in this one, doesn't he? I quite like watching him sing this song. Okay, and the last track is The Unloved One. Tell us more about that after this song. 
The most interesting thing about this song was the song title, in my opinion, the Unloved One. Uh, I think between the first and second album, that's when they recorded the cover song, The Loved One. Um, so outside that, this song doesn't hold any joy for me. Um, it sounds a little bit like an aeroplane flying over Kirk in the desert, sitting around with some Indigenous Australians who uh, who have some marvellous sounds, but as a song and a tune to sort of uh, riff to, it's probably a sort of a bit of a meanderer one. Um, Inexcess did a lot of instrumentals in the early days, the B-sides like Prehistoria and Three Sisters on Listen Like Thieves and... Um, yeah, so th this sort of probably unfortunately makes the album end with a little bit of a whimper but to look at this song more as an exit song from the album rather than sort of a, a song. It's more of a, uh, a bonus type track, which I think in America wasn't even released on the album. Um, but yeah, it's sort of more of an outro exiting type sort of uh, instrumental. Um, so yeah, it is what it is. I guess as a summary overall, I'd probably give this album uh, a good seven and a half out of 10. Uh, you know, both at the time and even now, I think it holds up reasonably well. Uh, there's probably six, seven songs on here that um, in the last 20, 30 years have still still get a high rotation for me. Uh, I love learn, you know, and learn to smile. Uh, I you know love on a bus, um, in vain, solid roller skating, um, just keep walking as sort of sort of stated there. Uh, Musical babies, etc. There, like they're, they're all songs that I could easily get a roll out in my car. And a couple of songs there that just yeah I'd flick and probably not into and you know the band probably you know, when they listen to this they've they've often been known to say that they can sort of hear the flaws and sort of the innocence at the time but um, you know you have to start somewhere and as a band you have to put something down um, you know I'm sure Robert De Niro and El Pacino back and look at their first acting performances or their first uh, plays that they were in or movies etc they, they probably cringe a bit and it's sort of a natural thing to do um, but I think uh, a good song is side of what era it's in and there are tracks on here that, that hold up well today um, and there's some signs on this album where you could see you know the, the genesis of the band and where they were able to go from there uh, and uh, I guess after a couple of years of touring and getting into the studio and doing it um, you know you can hear just that era and, and, and also the sounds that reflected on future albums which is which is a great testimony to it. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Okay, everybody, are you ready? Here comes the rant. The Rant, Chapter 2. In excess fake news and urban myths. So, you think it's only the Republicans and Donald Trump who succumb to fake news, myths and media beat-ups and nationwide media cover-ups? No way. In excess two have been caught up in the mendacious, the salacious, the malicious, the outrageous gossip and lies of naive media throngs and try-hard podcasters who purport mistruths, skin-deep research articles and common cliches and when challenged on a deeper level only become fake news. Examples I hear you asking for. There are four big ones counting downwards. Number four, in excess were nothing without Michael and only succeeded because he was magnetic sex appeal. Crap. Try these out. John Farris, pioneering drummer who wrote Disappear, Melting in the Sun and the Gift, amidst many others. Kirk Pengilly, multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, and whose sax solo alone and never tear us apart is worthy of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Tim Farris, who without his leadership, courage and motivation, in excess would still be playing as the Farris Brothers at the Rudy Hill RSL every second Thursday, pulling out monotonous Steely Dan and Roxy music covers. Gary Gary Beers, co-writer Listen Like Thieves and Perfect Strangers, and whose career and bass lines alone set off every female erogenous zone south of the Mason-Dixie line. Ferris, the musical genius, the McCartney and Lennon of Australia, the guy, Michael Stipe of R.E.M., recently labelled an incredible songwriter who surely then proves that their success was a team effort. Chris Murphy, the slick Sven Gali impresario, whose relentless commitment and business smarts open up doors every band member is eternally grateful for. Example three, In Excess with just an 80s band with an 80s sound. Piss off, you kick album sycophants. Go do a deeper dive into their catalogue. They toured for three years in the 1970s, honing a craft that eventuated in recording in 1980, thus setting up the template for future sounds. They crossed over genres ranging from ska, reggae, new wave, generally power pop, funk, rock, soul, R&B, dance, Motown, grunge, all timeless in their creation and done uniquely over 30 years of record. Urban myth number two, in excess failed in the 1990s and were irrelevant. 
rubbish. Even though 1995 to 99 was a tough period for the band for obvious reasons, they still succeeded. The X album has sold 5 million units since its release. It's had two US top 10s. It's had a Grammy, no Grammy nomination with Suicide Blonde. They had two British Music Awards, one for Best Band and Best Singer in 1991. Hardly the work of a band that was irrelevant. Additionally, Live Baby Live, platinum sales in America of a million alone and another million sold globally. Not bad for a live album. Welcome to Wherever You Are, released in 1992. First album by an Australian band to actually hit number one in the UK since 1981's ACDC's Back in Black. Got the best reviews of their career. Platinum in the USA, plus Billboard hits there with Not Enough Time and Beautiful Girl, and also a Grammy nomination for Beautiful Girl. Hardly again the work of a failed band in the 90s. And last of all, in 1991, the Nielsen Charts scanning procedure was introduced. At the time, NXS had apparently released and sold 25 million albums. Since that point, they're now up to 50. 55 million. That's more than double their sales since 1991. Hardly the work of an irrelevancy. Urban myth number one. Oh, in excess weren't that groundbreaking. They just did their thing. Shut the fuck up. July 13th, 1991, Wembley Stadium. Backstage guests included Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Blondie, and a who's who of British media, music, and film and television. More hangers-on and trying to attach themselves to in excess than nerds at an Apple iPhone launch in Silicon Valley. 74,000 people dancing united and in unison to new sensation. Simulcast nationally across the UK and all major radio stations. The day was labelled in excess day on the BBC. Bands, jealous bands like you 2 even went on to hijack the NXS production team for their own Zoo TV concert live in Sydney in 1993. Hey, time capsule, where were the soft cock relics of the 1980s this day? You know what I mean. Warrant, Cherry Pie, Motley Crue, Girls, 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 Poison, Aha, Go West, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. I'll tell you where they were. They were in rehab. You mean we live in a world where the old dude from Cheap Trick who sits on the drums with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and NXS aren't? Oh, the injustice. <laughs> Dear Diary, Chapter 2. Let's talk about why I love In Excess more than any other band. Well, for a start, their music speaks volumes to me. It takes me to places of pure delight. <laughs> Each member playing their instrument with passion and talented expertise. To hear them come together in each song is powerful, but to watch them in action at a gig or in a live video performance is just mesmerising. Of course, Hutch is the centre, the linchpin, the front man that has it all. Watching him perform and you just can't help but keep not get your eyes off him. His whispers, his spins, his hair flicks, pouts and the way he uses those deep brown eyes to capture you. You can't help but be drawn in further and further. John, hidden behind his drum kit, with his beautiful smile gleaming from behind his beats, the in excess heart that pulls the band tightly together. Andrew, shyly, playing his part of musician, but proudly unleashing his heart within his music. Gary, oh my God, his bass resonates deep and solid and perfectly fits with John's beats. While Kirk seemingly flows from one instrument to the other, rhythmically threading the band through beginning to end. Tim, attacking his guitar and works with Michael magically to deliver the sexiest songs ever known. You're terrible, Muriel. engagement so this part of the show is where we ask uh, Hayden a few questions I put it out on the Facebook at the beginning of the week and we've got five questions for Hayden in fact I've got six for you Hayden we're going to try and stump you six, every okay. yeah we're going to try and stump <laughs> you every week okay. Um, okay this is from a really good mate of mine um, Dwayne in Perth um, and he yep. has asked who came up with the name in excess nice easy one well, well, Dwayne, I think 
this was revealed in the miniseries. So a lot of people may have seen a scene in the miniseries where a rather uh, oh, I don't, inebriated to the word, uh, Gary Morris, who was the uh, manager of, uh, of Mid-Eyed Oil, a contemporary of NXS, mm-hmm. uh, was seeing an ad on TV of uh, XL Jam. Um, plus the, there was an album cover in the, uh, uh, in the room at the same time of XTC and he sort of played around with a few sort of uh, acronyms and words, wordplay and things mm-hmm. and uh, presented the band with the name in excess. Mm, XTC. Well, I think they first thought that... Yeah, an XL Jam. They thought it said Inks. Mm. <laughs> Is What's it? That? It was um, XTC, the English band, and yeah. he he married that up with um, watching the advert for XL Jam. Correct. Yeah. See, you don't. Um, need, we don't need yeah. Hayden. It's just my show. Okay. <laughs> the next one is Jim. Jim lives in Melbourne, Australia, and I hope my phone hasn't. Good man, Jim. Yes, yeah, good man, Jim. And um, right, his question is: As a large portion of in excess Michael Hutchins fans remember them as their kick success um, and excess, what elements of their early punk stroke sarc um, saker saker sarc <laughs> music could you hear in their music? What right? music did you say? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm scar music. It. Scar. <laughs> Should we say that again? Uh-huh. Ah. <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah, all right. Okay. What elements of their early punk ska music could you hear in their music right through to just before Michael's passing? Great question, Jim. Well, I think In Excess has sound evolved. And I think when we compare the album re- re-reviewed today, which is the debut album, with something uh, later in their, in their canon like Elegantly Wasted, they were very different and they're very um, opposite ends, ends of the spectrum. Uh, one song though that probably had a bit of a punk aggressive angry leanings uh, on the last album Don't Lose Your Head uh, and mm-hmm. when you hear the lyrics and the aggression oh. in the sound with Michael uh, which was ultimately I think the one of the soundtrack songs for the Face Off movie mm-hmm. uh, that song it probably it reminds me of that aggression off some of the early albums. Mm-hmm. I won't say too much about that song, but I do like it. Great video, hey, in the hangar. Yeah, yeah. yeah great. Okay, yeah. the next question is from Els. Els Dennis, no, I have no idea where she's from, so we'll just say she's of no fixed address. So in future, if you want a question, you've got to let us know where you're from because it's good to know where you're all from. Um, Els' question is, what songs stroke covers were on the set list when In Excess first started out on the pub circuit in Oz? Nice question. Yeah, well, uh, for some of the uh, real collectors out there, there is a double album called Stay Young, which is 1979 to 1982, sort of the the early years. And um, In Excess played, and I guess it's it's on that particular uh, double album, uh, Pretzel Logic by Steely Dan, uh, You Really Got Me Going by The Kinks, uh, The Love One, which again, people forget is cover uh, by The Love Ones. Uh, and Miss Shapiro by Roxy Music, which I know Tim was a massive Roxy Music fan, and mm-hmm. um, those songs are available on that Stay Young, uh, Stay Young uh, double album collection, which sort of between that 79 to 82, when they were probably short on original material and needed to, to beef up their sets with mm-hmm. some covers. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you, Els. Um, the next one is from Robert, again from No Fixed Address. Why didn't In Excess tour Welcome to Wherever You Are? Good question. Yeah, well, I've got a really firm memory of this because, look, they'd come off, I guess, a massive five, six-year period between Listen Like Thieves and, and the X tour, etc. there. And um, and then throw in sort of before that around Australia, they, they really uh, had virtually released albums and toured, released albums and toured, and then in some cases double toured and triple toured. When they went to go make Welcome to Wherever You Are, they had a bit of a goal of wanting to record uh, another album very quickly, which they ended up doing with Full Moon Dirty Hearts. Uh, it's not to say they didn't tour Welcome because they actually did do some smaller venues and clubs mm-hmm. and unis and things in Australia and overseas. I think it was called the Get Out of the House Tour. Yeah. But they just scaled down, and I think, as Tim said, they sort of burst their own bubble to sort of try mm-hmm. I don't know bring it back to a more of an intimate setting um, mm-hmm. and and probably get really musical with Mark Opitz who was the producer of Welcome mm-hmm. and, and Full Moon so um, it's a really good question and we're going to probably elaborate in more detail mm-hmm. as we come closer to those albums for discussion. 
Cool. Okay, thank you, Robert. And the next question comes from Farah. Now, Farah's a really good... <laughs> I like Farah. She's got a wicked sense of humour. She's from Malaysia. Um, Timmy yep. plays keyboards for Burn For You once. What else, um, what else members, what other members confidently can play other instruments as well, but not for live? Oh, it's her accent. Bless her. She's cute, hey? <laughs> So, so we're going to, are we going to, uh, I guess, uh, not include Michael who played that guitar solo at the end of the uh, Wembley concert? <laughs> <laughs> did yeah. he play it? Yeah. I thought you did Sorry, Michael, else with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, look, well, John, John actually himself is a great guitarist. Um, to write, you know, songs like Disappear and, uh, you know, uh, back, back, in, back Online and... Um, Never Let You Go and uh, The Gift and these things. He can't just sort of create a melody on just drums alone. Drums are, are a percussive sound and uh, a lot of those songs were written with Michael who doesn't play guitar. So um, John himself is, is adept at other instruments, which is which is great and obviously a producer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew doesn't play a lot of guitar live, but you know, he will come down sometimes and play, but he either writes via guitar or, or piano. Um, uh, I've got a feeling I've seen Gary play keyboards on a song recently. I, I think I was watching uh, the Australian Made tour recently on TV, mm-hmm. and I've got a feeling I saw Gary play keyboards, but I, I reckon MM out there will probably mm-hmm. be able to confirm the yes, answer on MM. that. Yes, the masked, <laughs> yeah. we the masked always call MM. Him MM. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a bit like that show, the, the Stig, you know, uh, you know uh, what was it, the, the car show in England, yeah, what do you call yeah. it? Top Gear. Top Gear. MM. <laughs> yeah, we'll always refer to our our uh, source of information as MM. I think you'll like that. Okay? No, no, I like the masked um, MM, yeah. Okay. All right. So that, yeah. was, so, that was from so Farah. I think yeah. that predominance. Yeah. Mm. Okay. That was five questions, but we like the look of Vern, don't we? <laughs> so Vern's got a question. Yeah. Now, oh God, where's he from again? Saskatchewan. <laughs> Saskatchewan. It's in Canada. <laughs> and Vern uh, sent a nice little anecdote about men wishing about cold weather and he, he referenced oh, Canada and I think equal, uh, I think justifiably we were whinging and yeah, we, he, well, you were in, in, <laughs> yeah I know I, know. I don't whinge so what, was Vern, what was Vern's question right Vern's question what singles do you think should have been bigger hits or a song that should have been a hit mm. yeah great that's, question that's and a preference I love that. I love uh, a chart statistic or a chart comparison or, you know, what could or should have would have. Um, here's some interesting comparisons. Uh, Original Sin, the single, was number one in Australia and France, but only hit 52 in America. Ooh. Some say that, you know, it was the radio tones of the song that a lot of it, which probably did hurt. Um, Not Enough Time wore lead single off Welcome in America and hit 27. In Australia, it was sort of a, a double A side with Taste It. So if you bought Taste It, you got you know, not enough time on the flip side. Mm-hmm. But not enough time as a standalone ballad and song is 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 up there with Never Tear Us Apart, which is to me one of the highest praises I can give it. Mm-hmm. Um, in some respects, I like Not Enough Time better. Um, I, I love the Hey Jude exit to the end of it, you know, going to make time stop, you know, with Denny mm-hmm. Hines on backup vocals and the video. Mm-hmm. I think that song... You know, should have given in excess the global lift in '92 that it deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, the song "Everything" with the video of you know elegantly wasted was just a, a beautiful song mm-hmm. uh, and deserved to be a, a hit around the world. Um, I think the stairs, which you know, some people who I talk to on Facebook know that's in my probably top three songs. I think in hindsight they could have released that as maybe the lead single off of yeah. X and may have just. You know, given that album even a bigger push, you know, mm. with uh, uh, you know the the, uh, the the results of that album, uh, the gift I think was number eleven in the UK and top ten in Australia. I don't think it even got released in in America, or if it did, didn't even hit the top you know one hundred. Uh, and again, I think that one deserved to give them a, a global lift in in popularity. Um, and a bit of an older one, which uh, is a bit of a fan favourite and uh, is in the Me series. And I know uh, it's a particular favourite you know, of Me fans is uh, To Look At You off uh, mm-hmm. Shabu Shabar. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, the third single in Australia off the album. It was number 24 here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, 
it's a great song, and I know the band really wanted that song in the uh, mini series to put it in, and um, I think that's the song where you see Michael and Michelle lock in lock eyes when he's singing it yeah. uh, in the mini series. Um, I think that's just a, a timeless song yeah. that um, yeah would would have could have would have should around the world as well. Well, thank you very much for answering those questions and thank you very much for sending them in and we'll be doing that once a week. So um, get some more juicy questions ready for Hayden. And mm-hmm. just to let some people who sent some questions in, there were a couple of deep dive ones that we're actually storing for when oh. hopefully the band members come yes. on because um, there was some about some B-sides like Jesus mm-hmm. was a man and mm-hmm. uh, things like that and there's a bunch of questions that we're, 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 we're stockpiling to ask yes. the band on your behalf and yes. we will uh you know reference you when we do get a chance to interview the band we I'll hope one day stick them in the back of my notebook ready <laughs> cool <laughs> Well, Lee, we've made it to the end of episode two and we're still standing. Again, yes. I really enjoyed this episode. <laughs> we went through quite a lot, didn't we? We did. We jam-packed a bit in. And look, we hope the listeners uh, go back and do a deep dive with the debut album. album. Uh, mm. These days, you can download individual tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? If somebody downloads or several of you download a particular track more often, they may even come back in the charts. Oh, yay. Uh, <laughs> uh, which is, that'd be awesome. Mm. Um, uh, I guess... Uh, B in terms of questions and fans and platforms where can the sort of listeners hit us up during the week uh, between episodes okay it's best if you all come to our Facebook page it's easier for us to actually engage there so that's um, in excess access all areas Um, we also have started an Instagram page so if you are an Insta then you can find us on there as well and it's the same name in excess access all areas um, and our shows we're we're going to be beaming them onto Podbeam and onto Spotify for now we may go YouTube I don't know yet YouTube right. music awesome mm. And just reminding you, we are putting this Spotify list to, uh, together gradually. I think, uh, mm-hmm. from what we mentioned earlier, On a Bus and Learn to Smile are yeah. our deep tracks, non-singles, that are first two on. inductions into the uh, Spotify playlist. So Yay. at the moment, we're too deep, but uh, I did a bit of a count today, B. I did mm-hmm. project ahead a little bit, and I think 30 is going to be our magic number for this live-ish, you know, Spotify. Uh, not live, but, you know, our Spotify deep dive album list. Mm. It's going to be... 30 songs okay that sounds great do you reckon yeah. what do you reckon we can get it done for Christmas <laughs> well who knows we we, 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 we post COVID-19 that'd be good <laughs> alright yeah. um now we got our, our cover song to leave the listeners with today, oh. and uh, I know that given the theme of the debut album, we do have a uh, a cover version of the very first uh, single off this album. Not their over, not their overall first single. It's not a simple Simon cover, but uh, it is going to be a cover of "Just Keep Walking." So uh, we. We do know this song, actually. Uh, it was a bit of a resurgence song in the UK. It did make the top 10 back mm. in 2001 mm. for this particular outfit that covered it. So mm. we won't reveal the name as per, uh, per normal or usual. We will let you guys figure it out. But yeah. uh, it is very much... Uh, homage to the band it's it's a big deep sample off the uh uh off i gotta shut up don't i be yeah Can't you give do it away, can keep I? going keep yes keep going no, no let's let the shut let's up. let the listeners fi- <laughs> 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 we'll let the listeners figure it all out but i get passionate when people are covering excess okay. so can i say i say i'll say some bit before we all say goodbye i actually really like this song as well just, just so you know. Do you? <laughs> more than the, more we than. We have that on weeks. record, everybody. <laughs> All right. Goodbye from me. Thank you, B. All right. Okay. Good. 
um, and a sign off from me too. Is it a sign off from you? No, the two Ron. It's a goodbye from me. Okay, and it's a goodbye from me. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye, Hayden. 